great blessing to be able to be here among the saints and to enjoy the presence of the Lord. Um, particularly, it's a great blessing to welcome all of you who are part of our network family. And um, it's very, it's a very great blessing to know that we're all part of one another. And um, we see that increasingly it's a real gift from God for us to be partnered with such an amazing group of people who love the Lord and who are desirous of doing His will. And one of the things that is endemic to the Saints Network is our love for the Word of God and the privilege that we have to delve deeply into the, the mysteries that he would reveal from his word. Uh, it's his spirit that guides us into them. And um, we are, we're very grateful to have that great privilege to open God's word with the saints here and all the saints who are joining with us across the miles tonight. Um, you know, the word of God has has become somewhat of a battleground in the past number of years among um, a lot of corners of Christianity. And um, it's amazing how that um, so many of God's people are being persuaded by the enemy to doubt the efficacy of God's word. I was reading an article this morning early um, that was posted on a number of Christian sites. I read it off of Charles Colson's site, <clears throat> and it was from a, a guy that has been a, a singer uh, in, a, uh, in a rock band, and he's a Christian, and he was writing about a current trend that he has recognized in a lot of Christian musicians and worship leaders. Um, just uh, just a week ago, one of the more recognized writers and performers for Hill Songs publicly stated that he was doubting his faith in God now, and that he uh, he was stepping away from ministry because he he really. Uh, didn't believe anymore the things that he held dear. There was also another well-known worship leader who said basically the same thing recently. And it's not those two as, uh, as simply anomalies. This is, this is a per pervasive attack of the enemy. And this man that was writing this article was really perplexed by why this was happening. And he pretty much set the record straight about um, how our, our hope and our faith is built solely on the Word of God and on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, we needed to make sure that was secure as opposed to the beliefs and viewpoints of the world that we have embraced to try to, in an attempt to try to be inclusive. And uh, it was a really well-written article I was kind of surprised at how well written it was. But you know, one of the things that 
for this for this guy according to the article that I read this guy that came out of the faith uh, last week was was really twofold there's basically five major things that the enemy keeps attacking we're going to talk about this in our seminar during one of the sessions but there are five I would say pillars of our faith that the enemy keeps attacking uh, the main one is the Word of God and this guy this guy stated that he didn't really know that he could believe the Word of God as being true anymore and the other one has to do with something we mentioned on Sunday night regarding universal salvation and there's a there's a predominant thought that that the enemy is penetrating a lot of Christian circles with as to how a loving God could send people to hell now this is something we've talked about for years it's no new thing but there seems to be in the uh, the grasp of the prince of power prince of the power of the air uh, a measure of authority that is very persuasive it's like a false anointing and it is corrupting people it is corrupting those that should know better and um, it would be it would be one thing if it was just as sad as it would be um, prominent individuals who were believing these deceptions but we we've seen this over and over again that it's not just the person who falls it's their shadow of influence that then's affected and um, so uh, I, I just have to believe that this is not only a sign of enemy strategy that we can see permeating a lot of levels of society but um, it's also an attempt to block the magnificent things that God is going to be doing in the very near future. The release of his, the release of his spirit, the, the latter rain and the former rain, the, the great move of the spirit that has been prophesied over and over again in the word and by lots of uh, prophetic voices over the past hundred years or so. And so it's, it's really a very strange, uh, it's, a, it's a very strange um, strategy of the enemy, but it's, it is pervasive, and it's, it's very, um, it, it seems to be um, spreading. And, and the agenda is to corrupt from within. But, you know, um, as sad as that is, we, we who are committed to the Lord and committed to his word and committed to intercession in his ways need to recognize that the scripture says a number of things about that. He said that there would be a great falling away first before there is uh, that great visitation, uh, that the very elect could be subject to being deceived. Um, the Bible speaks in the last days that there would be, people would be given over to seducing spirits and they would have itching ears and they would, um, they would want to um, have things said that were more appealing to their lustful nature. That's what the scripture says. And, and really, uh, the book of Jude that we looked at on Sunday, this past Sunday, there were a number of things that Jude mentioned that would be coming in the last times. 
And so we should not be surprised when we see these things. Um, and, and as opposed to what the trigger that would normally be launched next during the time that I was being raised in the church, we would all say, you know, you lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh, you know, I hear the sound of the trumpet, can, you know, the Lord's coming back. And I do believe that at some, in some way, I don't think it's going to, I know it's not going to be the way we, we thought it was going to be. But the Lord will return and uh, he'll catch his people away. But there's a lot of work to do before then. So I prefer to say that when I see these things happening, that the scripture foretold, uh, I have to believe that what they serve as a precursor warning, the, the, the move of the spirit, the, the dynamism of what God's going to do, it's going to be so great and so amazing. That's coming too. So we need to guard ourselves and we need to stand strong and we need to keep pressing in to partner with God. But, but don't be deceived about this. You know, don't be swayed if you see people fall away. Don't, don't be like Chicken Little who runs around saying the sky is falling. We grieve over that. But know that it's a tactic of the enemy. Be very careful that you don't succumb to it. And it's very subtle the way it comes. It's very, very subtle. Uh, and again, Jude warns about this, uh, as do many, many other passages of Scripture. But <clears throat> I wanted to, um, to come with you tonight to look at one of the last verses of the book of Jude. And it says in Jude verse 25, To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever amen and remember that as we studied this book we saw that jude was really writing to the saints he was writing about the saints ministry he he uh, differentiated between the common salvation at the very beginning of his book and the work that was devoted to the saints he talked about the enoch's prophecy concerning the saints and how they're 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 coming and it, it the, the prophecy there uh, said tens of thousands of saints and that sounds like a lot of people but in the scope of the population of the world that is that is an amazing remnant and so but the beauty of it is that because we're drawn together at the throne we're together and God is increasingly linking the saints together and um, so I, I really gained an appreciation for this wonderful book of Jude because it, it truly is focused on the work of, of the saints that we've been called to achieve. And you come to this last <clears throat> verse and you see that dominion and power are mentioned. Kratos and exousia. And, and I, I have thought about this in the past number of days, and I thought about how uh, God has truly been releasing both of those dimensions of his power to us. We are 
functioning on behalf of his throne, which is what Kratos is, and we're being given authority. We're, be given, we, we're being given exousia to represent that authority, uh, to represent that will of God at his throne. And so <clears throat> the more I prayed about this and the more I studied and recognized not just that it was a word, of course, it's, it's essential that it's a word from the Lord, but we've been seeing this increasingly, how there, there seems to be a greater capacity of the authority of God in our words and in the things that we're proclaiming throughout the nations. And, and I, I've recognized over this past year that so many times in prayer, when, when I come out of prayer and I'm analyzing what the Lord has shown and, and begin to, to declare the prosuke understandings, it's amazing how many times shortly thereafter those, those exact things happen. And, um, you know, <clears throat> I told the, the, the story, and there are many stories we could tell about this, about making those declarations at the Ohio River a couple of few weeks ago and the amazing uh, manifestations that were occurring in the forest on the other side of the road. And then that massive tree just snapped at the base and did what it did at the time that declaration was being made over this over this nation over this continent and the people of God stepping into their role as sons those types of things are um, are a product of us speaking what God has declared from his throne and the exousia the authority of them is um, is being manifested in our words and I think we need to be very, very, very much aware of that because it's, it's something that God has, has really uh, mobilized in, in, uh, in, on behalf of what's coming. You know, when you talk about authority, um, there, there are a lot of people in life that we've seen when they get authority, they become terrors. And you think, man, I hope that person doesn't ever get any authority because they'll just be, they'll be hell on wheels. And, you know, we, we recognize that authority is something that has to be handled with great care. And the wrong person or an immature person or a person who has issues, if they receive an impartation of authority at the workplace or in any kind of an other kind of environment, it can, it can do much more harm than good. So God doesn't just give authority to people. You, you have, to whom uh, you're faithful in the small things, God makes you ruler over the many. And just before we get into the study of, of exousia, just in a practical level, authority is something that is given to you based upon your faithfulness to God and how you've demonstrated other measures of assignment. You know, I've heard some preach and teach that, you know, every Christian has authority from the time they're 
they're they're born again and that's just simply not true it's just not true we have a heritage and we have the the invitation to grow into what god wants of us but but the you may have the potential of authority but you don't have authority any more than we give authority to babies uh, we don't give authority to toddlers you know you you have to gradually you watch them and you figure well they're they're capable of being entrusted with more now because we've seen them grow and mature to some degree but we're not going to give them the keys of the car we may not give them the keys of the house you know we've got to watch what they do with what they've been given and then you gradually give that authority and that's kind of the way it is in the spirit realm with God because he does two things with authority he watches our assignments but he also dictates authority according to the power progression that's clearly listed in the New Testament and then in the Old Testament but tonight we're going to focus simply on the New Testament now as a refresher um, many 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 years ago <clears throat> the Lord began to emphatically show me he didn't show me he basically instructed me that we needed to study about the hierarchy of scripture and the power that the power words that are listed in the New Testament and I was in in the happy place at home and I've told this story before but it's just as vivid now as it was on the on the the day that it happened I noticed that the uh, the port that's to the left of where I sit began to um, do what it does when there's going to be a visitor come through there and uh, suddenly there was an angel standing there and he said it's imperative that you learn this and he started to talk to me about hierarchy and he gave me two or three clues to look for in the scripture and I did and I recognized that I went on that that study about the progression of the five power words I didn't really recognize there were five power words until I was given the, the clue by the angel to study it and I noticed that whenever they were all listed when they were all listed various times in the scripture that they all followed the same pattern so that was a pretty good um, proof text that this pattern that we have here Kratos, Iskaros, Exousia, Dunamis and Megas was the way God manifests his power because that's the way it is in the scripture and if you gain that as your litmus if you gain that as your principle then whenever you see these words in the New Testament you know how to plug them in and you you, you know what they rely on in God's hierarchy and you know how God moves based upon that primer of those of that progression of five words and the angel said this is this is extremely important you need to know this and it's it's how God is going to move um, among you is what he said and our network was just in its its infancy at that point we hadn't really traveled anywhere but um, you could see that God was very intent upon us representing his throne and understanding how he moved from his throne so the um, the the Kratos is the power of God at his throne the Iscaris is more of a um, 
of an understanding of the structure of what happens throughout God's kingdom. Boundaries, borders, um, you know, uh, what's necessary for, for, for to impact this part of the world, uh, this, this dynamic of, of the, the structure of God has to be put in place for that to be um, moved upon. And there are, there are high-ranking angels that supervise that. In fact, one of the passages that we see in Revelation is when the angel with the rainbow adorning his head comes and has one foot on the, on the shore and one foot on the sea, and he's proclaiming the kingdom of our God is now coming. And um, the Bible says that he was moving in Iscarus' power. And that's, that's a very important thing. You, you see that manifesting in the temple of the tabernacle. You see that um, in, a very, in a very prolific way in the heavens. And I, I believe we've operated some in it on behalf of the international flows. But it's going to become more and more prominent. So then when you have the throne and you have God's structure put into place, the next thing that should happen is exousia comes. That can come through assignments that God gives you to represent things, or it can come as someone who represents God continuously, who has proven themselves to serve him, not taking authority and brandishing it for their own, for their own agendas, not not being abrasive with it, not ruling over people. God watches that. And for those that have been faithful, uh, there is that dimension of God just putting a mantle of exousia upon them. And they become similar to what Samuel was, where not a word that he spoke fell to the ground. And basically, this is the kind of capacity that most well that the prophets of the old testament walked in and um, i believe that's to a very strong degree something that the father is putting upon our network to represent him as he's moving now in a more more deliberate and quick way across the nations dunamis always follows uh, exousia and dunamis is function. You know, we, we've talked about dunamis before. Uh, it's, it's where our word dynamite comes from. And, um, you know, some people get confused about the U and the Y in Greek. Well, they're basically the same letter, so this could be dunamis or dynamis. It's not that big of a deal unless you let it become one. Iscurus can be iscurus. But dunamis is, remember when Jesus, uh, the woman with the issue of blood, touched the hem of his garment, and he said, somebody touched me because I perceive virtue has flown out of me. He, that was the word dunamis. And he felt that someone had tapped into the authority that was represented in the hem of his garment, in that, in that hem that identified who he was and what his assignment was, and subsequently then dunamis was ignited and she gained function. She gained, her body began to function in the way it was. That hemorrhaging stopped, and she was made whole. And she knew in her body, but that's what Jesus said went from his body, dunamis, or went from his, his exousia, basically the, 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 the garment, the mantle that represented what he was assigned to do and what he was called to do.
And then you have that fifth power word, which is megas, and that's that's the spread on earth. And this is the uh, derivatives of this was Jesus said, greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. These works and greater will you do. That's from megas. And we're seeing that happen now. We're seeing a spread, um, particularly in Brazil, but in other parts of the world. We're seeing that spread happen in, in ways that we've not really seen before. And it's really encouraging. So that tells me that all five of these levels are really in function. God has ordained from his throne that this is his timing. He has declared things. We've sensed that at the right hand of his throne. And he has mobilized his move among the nations for this time frame. And he has invested and divested authority into people, into, into those that would represent him in those places. And function is beginning to happen, uh, not only in people, but in histemes and and in conjunction with what his eternal logos has said he wants to do, what from the foundation of the world he put in place, that's a dunamis function too. And when all that happens, you have the, um, you have the spread of the move of the Spirit. You know, Jesus spoke in Luke 11 about um, taking of a stronghold. And he said, when a greater comes, when a kratos level comes, then the strong man can be bound. And then you see that progression. You see the armor taken, which would, uh, on an earthly stance, represent the Iscarus. And then there are declarations for the divestiture of that stronghold, that exousia is going. And then suddenly you see the people begin to be blessed. You see power begin to be manifested. You, you see uh, the blessing of the Lord begin to come. And then everybody begins to gain new life, and it begins to spread. Uh, Luke 11, with the, with, the, with the teaching on the stronghold, uh, is really a primer of what this power progression is from the New Testament. And, you know, I just played with this, and I know any time I try to assign fivefold things, there's always people who think just a little bit differently, and they say, well, I didn't see it that way. So don't get confused about this, but you know, I don't think I've ever taught on the fivefold and the five powers. Maybe it's written somewhere, maybe it's in one of the manuals of the thoughts and ways of God. I don't really remember. Um, but to me, these make sense. Um, Kratos would align with the apostle because that's God who releases his post, God who releases what he wants to do. Uh, the Iscarus, it's such a complicated thing to see in the heavens. It's such an intricately put together framework of how God wants his kingdom to move. And there, there are levels of understanding. There are levels of, you know, for this to move, you have to have this declaration. You, you almost have to have a threefold cord between uh, God saying it, one of his sons saying it, and, and the angels making proclamation, and then you see a movement. But it's a highly orchestrated thing, which is why I, I applied the teacher there. Exousia is prophetic because you are then declaring, you are, you are proclaiming 
you were walking it out you're dying to yourself to embrace this thing that came from the throne and what God sees as how his structure is supposed to be mobilized and repositioned and um, you know you see then the uh, the evangelist who brings grace remedies and begins to talk about the breakthrough just like Philip did when Simon was sourcing and histeme and Philip came down at the direction of the Spirit and uh, he began to preach Christ and suddenly uh, the guy that was doing the the great power of God was on the sideline and the, the mighty miracles began to happen and Philip the evangelist demonstrated that and then lots of people began to come and hear and, and even then uh, Peter and John came down from Jerusalem and took the apostolic message and began to stamp the footprint of the Council of Jerusalem upon that. So, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about exousia, when you talk about what we're going to be looking at, you cannot talk about it without recognizing this structure that is clearly in place in multiple passages in the Scripture. And here's, here's something else about this as we, as we look at it. This isn't just for, you know, uh, the kingdom of light. Um, and the enemy operates on some other thing. When you, when you have this authority, the enemy recognizes that authority. And this authority supersedes anything that the enemy has put in place and it's 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 an amazing thing it's like when um, it, again in Jude when Michael was con when Satan was contending with the Archangel Michael about the body of Moses um, Michael did not release a blasphemia crisis he did not go off on his own even though he could have in authority but rather said the Lord rebuke you and that is, that is an indication of the authority that God had given him and what his assignment was, and the enemy had to honor that. The enemy will try to blow you out of that or try to make you think that that doesn't matter, but that's one of the true, that's one of the true keys of faith because faith is what God says at his right hand. And if you know that, it doesn't matter what kind of monkey shines the enemy tries to to do to get you to to go off target that authority from God will triumph just as it did in Luke 11 with the stronghold where the greater came the Kratos authority came and so um, we just need to know that this is the way God functions proactively but as we'll see I brought one verse but there are several verses that says this the exousia that comes from God also triumphs over the enemy now it's it's not always because um, that doesn't always happen because of the power of God that sometimes happens because that's what the angels even the, fa the, the fallen ones were created to resonate to and a case in point was when Jesus and the disciples landed on the shore of Gadara and that guy 
who was a lunatic, came running out of the tombs. And there's another passage that said he had a little buddy with him. Uh, they came running down and they were legion. An, an army unit of unclean spirits was, was utilizing him as the touch point on earth. And remember, he proscuneoed before the Lord and the angel said, you know, what are we to do with you? And they were submitting themselves, proscuneoing before Jesus. They were so used to, as an army unit, following structure and command that here was the Son of God, one that they had served for who knows how many millennia. And their, nat their supernatural inclination was to, to fall before him. And, um, you know, Jesus did give them a, a command. You know, so he said, don't send us out of our area. And he sent them into the pigs, and, um, which is very interesting. And they gladly went into this herd of swine. And as my brother said, that was the first case of deviled ham. And uh, I think it's kind of funny if you don't use it more than once every five years. <laughs> so, um, but this is very interesting. Um, and, and, you know, some people think that, you know, if you just rattle off a bunch of scriptures or if you have some priest waving a cross with some incensor smoke and the power of Christ constrains you. You know, remember the, the sons of Sceva who went and they were trying to cast out devils in Jesus' name. And that spirit said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. Who are you? And beat the bejeebers out of those guys and sent them away naked. That's bejeebers is not in the scripture. It's not. Next week we'll study bejeebers from the Greek and we'll see that the root is really, I won't. <laughs> So, um, so you, you really don't just have power over the devil because you've got a, a cross or you've memorized a bunch of scriptures. Knowing the word of God is, is important, but it's not nearly as important as knowing the God of the word. And when he gives you his authority, that's recognized. And, um, and you know, I remember one time hearing Kenneth Hagin teach about deliverance. I used to like listening to him because he was just funny. I thought it was amazing that a preacher could actually be funny. And um, he was talking about these people that were trying to effect deliverance over this guy in, in uh, one of the churches that he was coming to speak in. And they were just yelling at this demon. Just all of them were just yelling. He said, they, they treat a demon. <laughs> Which kind of reminds me of, Jerry Smith and his hunting dogs that will tree a mountain lion. Or, and, um, you know, some people think that, you know, it, it, the, main, the main thing is authority and trusting what God has said and what he's commissioned you to be. And um, that, that, has a great, that has a great impact. So let's look at a few verses. There are many that we could have looked at. But I chose these because I felt this is what God wanted us to, to review tonight. That speak about this exousia. <clears throat> 1 Peter 3, verse 22. 
speaking of Jesus, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So what is this? You have, you have Jesus at the right hand of God, which is the throne, which would represent Kratos, wouldn't it? Yeah, because the Kratos is the power of the throne. That's where Jesus is. Angels would represent the Iskaris because they are the ones that uh, largely supervise um, these structures. They were originally, and, and, and the way things are orchestrated, they were originally created by God to supervise those things, to, to move with them, to orchestrate them. And um, I, I think that's an amazing thing. And so you've got those two, and then you have authorities. Isker, uh, exousia uh, comes right then, and then dunamis, and then subject unto him would, would really indicate that magus of, of what we're to do. And you say, well, why isn't Moses listed there? Because that's what Jesus entrusted us to do. Greater works than these. The, these works and greater will you do. Magus will you do because I go. It's, this is something you're supposed to do in conjunction with him. But I would also think then that um, to me, this is, um, this is a saintly calling. Uh, I've got to watch how I say this. But we, we recognize that not every Christian wants to have anything to do with this. They think it's kind of weird. They think it's odd. They think you've gone round the bend and kooky that you would even talk about these things, even though it's clearly in the Word. And, um, you know, uh, last week or the week before, we taught one of the passages on Romans 8 about being uh, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Not every Christian, as sad as this may seem, wants to go that far. They're content being servants. They're content being children. They're content on letting somebody else do it. And um, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying that's what happens. And I, I remember when we first started to you know, to recognize that God was calling us to do things and, and he began to talk to us about the work of the saints, which was different from the common salvation in the general church. We saw that in the scripture. And, and I remember when we were first hearing that, I remember uh, hearing uh, Rick Joyner teach about how that uh, you, you even look at the tabernacle and you look at the temple. You've got to have some people that are in the outer court. You got to have some people who minister out there. Not everybody was going into the holy place and the holy of holies. Not everybody was, even though that's where God wants us. But He's He's willing to let others be part of the family, and I, I don't really understand how that can be. But yet we do that. I don't understand that, but we do that in our own families. We make a lot of allowances for people. I'm not, of course, not in my house. But, you know, I've seen lots of families. I've seen my extended families. And, you know, you don't judge anybody, but you recognize that households are different. You know, there was a kid that I, when I grew up in, in high school, 
um, he was a tremendous athlete and he was a nice kid but when you went to his house his mom did everything for him I mean I don't think this kid knew how to open a toothpaste uh, open what do you call it cap I don't think he knew how to do that I thought my god what happened to you you're six foot two rippling with muscles you don't even know I was stunned because in my house you know you basically just survived and this kid was mom was more than happy I thought man it's a good thing you're strong and good-looking you're gonna find some little girl that's willing to do all this nonsense for you but some families just let that happen and I don't understand it I I, I, I really don't that's just one illustration in fact I jazz him about it I say, I say hey you think your mom would come over and turn down my bed for me <laughs> you say you want me to ask her I said, I think she'd do it if you ask her. Anyway, that's just one illustration, but that's the way it is in the church. Why, I don't know, but it is. There are just some who are willing to live in the shadow lands and, and to, to have a very shallow, but God loves them. I'm not saying they're not in the kingdom, but, you know, when you see Paul write about this, he even the dis dis differentiation between being an heir and a joint heir he says these things over and over again that there are progressions of development and service in the kingdom it's not that God loves one more than another but it just happens that way so um, I, I see this and I, I really believe that these kinds of things that we're talking about being able to function in the heavens and see the Lord do these things and receive uh, words from him and and recognize that you're not doing this to entertain a crowd or to build a big group of people coming to your church eating out of your hand you're building an army you're building sons you're building those that will do these things that are a remnant willing to do these works for the Lord and um, so I, I see this, and this makes perfect sense, and it should make perfect sense to you. Those of you who are intercessors, you've been there at the throne. You've, we've, he's taught us about faith and the right hand of God. He's taught us about the secret place of thunder. He's taught us about how that moves what he wants to do uh, between that area of the throne and the temple of the tabernacle of heaven. And, the altar of incense that's there separating and the angels of fire that are there you recognize you, you become familiar with that and then you read a passage like this and you don't have to be persuaded as to the validity of it you've seen it you've functioned in it and it makes perfect sense to you but the the beauty of it is that the Lord at his right hand um, at the right hand of the throne angels authorities and powers are made subject to him and that word really indicates an orchestration it means a coordination so it you know you ever wonder how many times we've said over the years that when we first started to pray in diversities of tongues and proscuneo suddenly it seemed like the the kingdom was open and the angelic was everywhere why was that 
It's because of this. Because we were being called to that place at the right hand of God. We were being called to be saints and sons. We were being called to fill these places as sons and exousias on behalf of our Father. And that's what the angels were called to serve. Are they not all ministers of those who are called to be heirs of salvation? So that's why they were here. That's why they were instruction for us. That's why they, they're, 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 we're liaisons together on behalf of the kingdom, but not one of them was, uh, was born again because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Not one of them were recipients of his saving power. We are. And so that is a tremendous privilege for us to be one with God, to represent him. And um, so here is a measure of exousia. And that God would be, I don't want to say ratcheting up, but that God would be releasing a greater dimension of this exousia to us in our words and in what we are called to stand and represent where we go in obedience, the sole of our foot is. And that is given because we have been called by God. We're obeying what he says from his throne. And that exousia is something that we are representing his kratos. And the angels are there with us recognizing that. And that's a magnificent, that's uh, what a, what a heavenly symphony. That's a wonderful thing. You know, when Jesus marveled, there were only two times the, the New Testament says that Jesus marveled. One was this passage we're going to look at. The other one was because of unbelief. Both of those. John marveled once when he watched the Queen of Heaven. and He marveled. And he was amazed by the way this demonic being was able to do what it did. And the angel standing beside him said, why are you marveling at that? In other words, <laughs> this, this enemy is doing things, and on surface it is amazing, but we've been called to overcome that and dismantle it and take possession of it for the kingdom. Uh, so, one time Jesus marveled because of unbelief, but this passage, which we've taught on before, speaks about faith. Matthew 8, verses 9 and 10. This is the Roman centurion. I am a man under exousia, having soldiers under me, under me, and I say to this man, go and he goes, to another come and he comes, and to my servants do this and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, verily I say to you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. He marveled. And it was about authority. It was about exousia. And the greatest demonstration of what goes on at the throne is seen by someone who embraces the exousia. That's really what Jesus was saying here. Who did the centurion represent? Caesar. And he knew how to represent the dictates of Rome. And he knew how to represent the praetorian representative that was there uh, representing Rome. And then the centurions uh, answered to them. 
And so they understood that, that um, declension of authority. And the guy noticed that how he indicated exousia was by saying, I say to this one, I say to this one, I say to this one. And there is a great measure of uh, our declaration on behalf of the throne. And Jesus saw this guy declaring this from a Roman perspective and he said that is the greatest depiction of what faith really is I've not seen anything like it here in Israel so I think that so far these first two verses as God is giving us a greater representation of exousia we need to recognize that this is in partnership with our Lord Jesus at the throne and we need to recognize that it is the way faith functions that makes Jesus marvel. So we should really embrace this. Uh, Revelation 22:14. I read the back of the book and we're winning. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the exousia to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Exousia is a twofold thing here. Exousia to the tree of life and exousia to enter in through the gates into the city. You do recognize that we've been enjoying that for a couple of decades now. Um, it's been a progressive, you know, God gives us the opportunity. He gives us authority to be able to do this. We do it. Then he gives us more authority, and we do that. The things we've seen in paradise, where the tree of life is, where there are two other things, the leaves that are for the healing of the nations, or the remedies of the nations, which is essentially what God created those nations to be. You take that heavenly DNA, and you represent that, and suddenly it's like a spark that begins to trigger the deposits of the glory and begins to trigger God's intent for those areas of the world. That's a wonderful thing. And the second is that the saints have right to the fruit, to the tree of life. Um, and um, I think that fruit is that we just, we gain a strength. It becomes a part of us because when you eat fruit, that's what happens. And it's, uh, I don't want to get too weird with this, but fruit kind of, you 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 apply what you've been entrusted to do and you do it quickly <laughs> gives you energy and it moves through quick um, and so but to have the authority to this and to go in and out of the city and heaven is is a tremendous thing uh, revelation 226 he that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end to him will I give exousia over the nations. Wow. That's, that's an amazing thing. And we couple that with the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness by the enemy. Luke 4, 6, the devil said to him, All this exousia will I give you and the glory of these nations. Remember, he took him to a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory that's within them. And he said, All this exousia will I give you and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will, I will give it. 
You remember what Jesus said, you know, it's we are not to proskuneo before any, any, anything but God. And it, the, the issue was proskuneo. The enemy wanted proskuneo. Jesus answered that you only proskuneo before God. And that's one of the links that we have when we proskuneo before God. It shows many things we've taught on this. It shows humility, submission. It's a welcoming of the kingdom to come. But it also is the obtaining of this exousia. Now, somehow, the how did the enemy have exousia? Now, some would say, I think it's a combination of two things. I'll just go for it. One is whatever it was that Adam had when, when he fell and he fell, the enemy gained some measure in partnership with that curse. The other thing was that so many of the the beings that fell with Satan uh, were created for the purpose of serving these histeme points. And so there was some measure of exousia in their created abilities. And, you know, of course, when the greater comes, that strong man is thrown out. But this is what the enemy was referencing. Um, so, but the point is, is that if we keep his works notice it doesn't say if you keep my words there are other promises about that but if he keeps his works unto the end you will gain exousia over the nations works staying faithful not abandoning course not saying you know i don't really know about this work anymore i think this work over here is better you know it's important that the greatest ability is availability and that you continue to say, here am I, Lord. I am not quitting. I may have felt like it sometimes. I may have been worn out over here. I may be weary and well-doing, but I've rebuked that. And if you're faithful to my works to the end, this exousia will be given. And I think that's part of what is our blessing right now. And I, I'm very grateful now, some of these next ones are kind of interesting. Power over the elements. Revelation 11.6. These are the two witnesses. They shall have exousia to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Now, this is obviously in a time in the future. But this, you can see what the next steps of exousia are. Now, we've seen some of this. You know, I, I don't remember. I remember a couple of times where we told hurricanes not to come. Um, one was in, in Florida when we were there at CI. Uh, there have been a couple of other occasions, but usually it's God's opening the heavens and releasing the rain and breaking drought and breaking um, challenging high temperature systems um, but it that comes through exousia and you can see that what's coming i don't know how many years ahead this will be you can see how god is going to use exousia to impact the prophecy to impact the mission and um, obviously water is going to be 
at a at a premium then. Uh, I don't know what that says about global warming. I mean, if Tucson's going to be seafront property because of global warming, uh, all those icebergs, you know, Denmark may want to sell us Greenland. It's kind of withering away up there like an ice cube and hot coffee. Um, but, you know, the point is, is that obviously um, this is going to be stopping the rain and it's going to create great chaos for people. Anyway, that comes through Exousia. Uh, Mark 3:15, the Lord gave Exousia to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. Um, this is interesting. This is before the cross. So the by his stripes we healed hadn't kicked in yet. Um, and um, but there was an exousia to therapeuo sicknesses and to cast out devils. I think that there is a there is a there's something coming in a greater way with with this for us. I know a year ago or so we taught a lot, not just me but others, about um, different dimensions of healing from the scripture. Um, but the Lord gave an exousia for a therapeuo, and that's not just a remedy. That is a that is a demonstration, a physical demonstration, a a literal a portrayal of some therapy where they rise up and suddenly things begin to snap and pop and they take off running. Uh, there's an exousia to that. Arise, take up thy bed and walk. That was an exousia demonstration to the man at the pool of Bethesda. Um, Peter and John, gate beautiful. Uh, silver and gold have I not, such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise. And uh, that man rose and he was crippled no more. He was well. There's, there's, a, there's a measure where exousia empowers not that. Now, there are a lot of ways God brings healing. I'm not saying this is the only way. Rhema words, scriptures, um, lots of different things. The anointing of oil, prayer cloths, lots of but prayer cloths were extension of the exousia of Paul. But um, this is one of them. And, and because of what we've studied about exousia, it's not happening through the 100% of Christians because of what we've studied about exousia, because of what we see it is. Not everybody has this heightened measure of exousia. But to these, these ones that Jesus sent out, he released exousia to them, and they function on behalf of that authority. Um, interesting. I know we're out of time. So let's move on to the last one. Uh, <clears throat> and this kind of goes back to what I started with, this tactic that the enemy, through the prince of the power of the air largely, um, is, um, is, is happening. Uh, Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3. In time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the exousia of the air, 
the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. I'm telling you, this prince of the exousia of the air is on overdrive in our nation and in the world, convincing people of false narratives, convincing those who, you know, I'm not judging their relationship with God, but it, I, I, and, and God, you know, it's like what James talked about, if a brother be overtaken in the fault, you who are pneumatikos, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourselves. So I know that this is a high-level enemy assignment, and it can deceive the very elect. You just have to watch yourself. You have to guard yourself. You have to do the foundational things. You need to stay in right commune with God. You need to gird yourself up and don't give any entertaining. Don't sit in the seat of the scorner. If you're around people that are giving arguments for that scripture not being true and not being right or universal salvation or Christ didn't really come and offer himself, you know, vampire uh, Christianity, you know, if it don't don't dabble in that stuff. It's like a poison, but it is a it's directed from the Council of Seven, and it is really being according to the Prince of the Exousia of the Air. That's a weird deal. This principality has an exousia to entertain, to draw out lusts, to act on, to inflame them. Maybe that came from the curse. Maybe this, maybe this being was one that was originally, uh, originally made like those Judah angels to to embellish the goodness of God, not embellish, but, but to fan it into a flame, to, to bring a, a heightened measure of rejoicing. Maybe this one uh, was a high-level being that did that, working in wisdom and, and revelation, and then being able to take that and destroy that capacity in people, to, to fuel into the lusts and the violence and the doubts and the iniquities and the, the, the mindsets that are operating in pride instead of in devotion to God. And sometimes those two things can be look pretty much the same to the unsuspecting or the gullible. But this thing is a principality, and it's moving in an exousia, and you can see, well, you can look around the nation and you see this. So why do I list this here? Because when you're functioning on behalf of the right hand of God and you're moving with Jesus and he's partnering you with the angelic and you have exousia and you've been sent to move and represent him continentally and through different dimensions of the spirit realm, what you have from God will supersede what this thing can do. And it doesn't, it's going to be a battle, you know, but... Um, some people don't want to be free. Some people think they know it all. I mean, if the, the enemy's greatest army is found in people who ought to know better. Um, and we see that. His, that's why when Jesus would go into places of worship, there were always 
unclean spirits positioned there. All of a sudden, they rise up. And so we have to really be careful and know who, what God's called us to be. But this exousia that God has given, since there is such a prevalent exousia of this prince of the power of the air, um, we, we need to recognize that, not be intimidated by it, but know our place before f the Father. Now, how can that manifest? I think there, there, there are times. I remember when we went down many years ago to Deep Ellum, and there was a, uh, remember that, that demonic concert? I think Black Sabbath was coming in, and a couple of the other, I think some of the, like Slipknot may have been there. A couple of, they were just coming along. And remember, we went down there, and we declared that those spirits were not coming into our city. And, uh, you know, we went down, and there were all these people coming, and we were partnering with this other group, Mary Brock had, and we were passing out tracts and doing things. But we were down there praying. And, you know, I remember having a vision of this, this spirit or some of his cohorts coming in. And, um, you know, the long and short of it is that uh, the headlining group got up, and after five minutes they left the stage end of concert five minutes the headliner and the lord really did demonstrate authority on behalf of this esteme I, I you've seen this being before i mean you fly into los angeles i don't know how many times i've seen represent there they go at they they say nasty things to you they try to mock you they hate what god's given us but the point is, is that this this is not the only enemy we face, but it's one. Yeah, on the on the one hand, you see the enemy trying to raise up this spirit of disobedience, this lust, uh, filthiness, uh, wrath. Um, you you see that disobedience. Um, you see that, but you, we have been given <coughs> authority to represent the Father and to call to those who are called to be sons to come and that's that's really the framework um and i know god's given us a brief window to do this i i you know i remember a couple of years ago when our nation was going through an election process and it has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats on a bigger scale. It has to do with, you know, uh, there, there's coming, there's coming a, some times that are going to be very difficult in this country. Um, that's what the scripture tells us. So we have this opportunity to grow and to serve the Lord and to be wise and wary and um, to utilize this exousia on behalf of our Father, some of this is going to be taking authority over some of the ones. It's like what Jude said, of some making a difference, pulling them out of the fire, of some making a difference. And we will be able to see, it's kind of like what the book of Revelation says, those of the synagogue of Satan will come and they will proscuneo saying, God is in you of a truth. The real truth is in you. And um, 
So this is just some of the framework. We'll understand it as it goes, and God will give Rhema understandings from his word. But the point is that as saints, he is divesting a greater measure of exousia to us. And we've looked at some of these. We're representing the throne. We're functioning in faith. We're accessing things in heaven and in the, in the holy city uh, and, and in the trees of life. We are give, being given exousia over nations. We are we're being able to move in the deposits of the glory. We're being given enhanced power over the elements. Uh, sickness and demons will respond and as a result of this exousia. And we're going directly in, in strong types of, of warfare for the hearts and souls of people. Uh, work for the night is coming. So I release this exousia, and I encourage you to do further study of this, but this is not some fresh new thing we've been learning about. This is just a refresher of things that God has taught us in a line-upon-line way, but he's, he's increasing our responsibility and the, the power to represent him. So don't take that lightly. And uh, I, I pray God will help you to receive it, help you to be instructed by his spirit and the angelic, and that he will keep all of us, all of the flock here, all of the saints here, and all of those that are, are in, the, in the groups of the saints around the world. And Father, I bless this people. I thank you for just giving us the opportunity to look at your word. What a delight that is but to be able to rejoice in these truths and to profit from them to better serve you. What a great blessing. We thank you for this, Father, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll uh, see you this Sunday. God bless. God bless.